0: Welcome to the Noble Ape Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbalay, and this evening I'm a little under the weather. I've just been recovering from a a four or five day cold, so please excuse my speaking voice for this podcast, but I wanted to get a podcast out primarily because my other podcasting commitment, The Best Damn Podcast Ever, is being recorded this evening, and I wanted to get a podcast out in the Ape Reality feed just to cover all the stuff that's been going on and to avoid the kind of horrible backlog of having to produce uh, what can be up to an hour and 40 minutes worth of podcast with multi-track participants and a little musical composition at the end. In any case so much has been going on with Artificial Life and I wanted to just give a series of footnotes with regards to certain components and and talk about others in greater detail. I've been reading Rob Walsh and Mer Lafferty's Tricks of the Podcasting Masters which I had read previously but I'm rereading because I'm having dinner tomorrow evening with a bit of luck with Rob Walsh who is flying into Vegas and it is an amazing opportunity to talk with someone who is in the pinnacle of podcasting it's something that I obviously maintain as a hobby this fellow is a professional podcaster he provides professional podcasting consulting advice amongst other things and he also produces podcast 411 that I recorded a little piece for on Saturday as it came out so he's someone who I've had some correspondence with someone who I've had some correspondence with that I haven't received responses from and it would be wonderful to have the opportunity to sit down and have a long and winding discussion about all the various aspects to this ability to put audio out on the internet and get one's voice heard various ideas out there and this idea of community maintaining and building which is something that I've been talking about with Bruce Dahmer quite a bit with regards to artificial life to reintroduce who I am I've been developing the noble ape simulation which is an artificial life project for I think coming up to 12 years this June my experiences with noble ape have been very diverse from kind of extreme isolation to extreme acceptance and everywhere in between run being part of the academic strain of artificial life noble ape has always been a obvious perspective that in the past four or five years has been picked up by industry uh, namely Apple Computer and now Intel uh, and I am working with Intel currently on optimising the brain simulation component of the Noble 8 simulation although I'm also testing out the Intel compiler currently and have some interesting feedback on that which I will get to if not in this podcast in the podcast to come so that is who I am recently in the past I think couple of weeks I've been inducted as a board member of the contact consortium I'm the biota.org rep representative of the contact consortium and i'm not really sure what that means specifically although it formalizes the work that i've been doing with biota.org for the past two years biota.org is an artificial life community site i think that's probably the best way to put it and has been a a kind of clearinghouse of artificial life projects as a means of getting them out to folk and also in its kind of prehistory it was a series of conferences although the conference series has died down and the conferences were very good at getting names who wanted to speak on artificial life involved with the uh, broader community, however a number, if not all of those names have dropped off uh, in the past 10 or so years, so the community component of of artificial life is uh, in in some kind of flux it's in a kind of continuous flux but it is fundamentally a very small community, it is about at most 100 active participants worldwide the academic community around the time of the A-Life conferences can swell to about 300, but in general the, the real numbers for artificial life come through the kind of extended the hobbyist user base which to best estimates number about ten thousand these numbers are relatively important because we are dealing with a small and relatively fragile community and I think of the core contributors the hundred or so core contributors that number is reducing and the number of names associated names being people that have done uh, outstanding work in other fields and then come to contribute to artificial life or have started components of artificial life and then gone on to contribute in other fields those folk are uh, deadly dropping off uh, through changing interests, being uncontactable. And some of them are dying, uh, which I think is just the nature of a kind of maturing set of ideas, which artificial life presents itself as in some regards so the problems associated with artificial life getting the message out to a broader community strengthening the existing community of developers and all the kind of collective issues with regards to this as a message that needs to be heard have been a topic of ongoing discussion with Bruce Dover and myself and also the Biota Conversations mailing list which is a mailing list that was set up to support the Biota.org Conversations podcast which is in many regards as a sister podcast to Ape Reality through this mailing list list, uh, the topic came up recently with regards to the flow game which is something I wanted to talk about at length because I think it poses a number of problems in terms of artificial life development and the conclusion to the whole thing came somewhat abruptly but I think is a relatively logical conclusion. The background to flow is that to my eyes at least and to the 20 or so people I emailed, a a clear majority appeared to be derivative of a fellow called Jeffrey Ventrella's work I've interviewed Jeffrey Ventrella, he's a, a passing participant in the biota all conversations uh, or discussions at least uh, he hasn't participated in any of the conversations podcasts as yet but he is someone who has been interviewed uh, audio interviewed in biota.org interviews podcast and he's someone who I've had some communication with over uh, uh, period of probably about a year now he's an interesting fellow he's a formative artificial life developer who came from what I would call the Dawkins strain in terms of the fact that he was inspired by Dawkins blind watchmaker and his artificial life development comes from that but his magnum opus is uh, two programs which are effectively the same underlying program one called Darwin pond and the other one called gene pool uh, and they are basically about uh, these creatures that live in a in a fluid environment that move around through through wiggling that have various genetic components as they die and uh, eat food and mate and mutate. All these various creatures uh, evolve uh, and you can construct artificial boundaries and various other things and interact with them through mouse movements. But it's just an amazing environment. It's something that I played with and I gave the kind of some sum total of about seven hours over a four month period. Uh, but I have played it rather solidly over that period leading up to the interview with Jeffrey Ventrella and also after the interview with Jeffrey. Fentrella. And it's an environment that I think is remarkably good. It's something that I've also received positive feedback from Dr. Zachary Moore, who I also interviewed for biota.org interviews, as he has uh, used it as a, a tool, a, a toy in some regard, a game perhaps, uh, in his own musings on uh, evolution. Uh, and I think it has a, a powerful uh, visual interface, an interactive interface that lends itself to teaching uh, various aspects of, of evolution. It's just an all-round great Program. It's also relatively well documented and discussed in academic literature and Jeffrey Ventrella published a paper in a fellow called uh, Maciej Komashinsky's book, Artificial Life Models and Software, I believe that was the title of the book or something derivative of that. Maciej Komashinsky as well as someone who I've interviewed for the biota.org interviews and his book has an interesting component that it contains uh, kind of who's who in artificial life in, in some regard in terms of those that are been academically published and uh, Jeffrey Ventrella sits back-to-back with Bruce Damer the co-founder of biota.org in the book uh, it's a fascinating book although it's something that I think is for the hardcore interested in artificial life. Let's just put it that way. It, it's very much an academic surveying rather than any kind of continued or, or futurist discussion with regards to artificial life. In any case, what struck me as fascinating is that the Flow software was written at the University of Southern California by a fellow called uh, Genova Chen, if I recall correctly. And University of Southern California has been heavily evangelised in uh, terms of artificial life uh, documentation material. Bruce Dahmer has talked there. Todd Fomansky... Uh, a master's student who Bruce Damon's digital space sponsored through his master's degree was a year senior to Genova Chen. And what's particularly fascinating is that Todd actually reworked Bruce's nerve garden paper, which then went into Marcek Komacinsky's book. You're gonna to have to follow the connections here, because it's still got a slightly cold head, but the connections do come together. So Marc Komacinski had a book of which Jeffrey Ventrella and this Todd Kfamansky fellow were primary contributors. Now Todd Kafamansky worked with Jenova Chen on a project at USC in the time frame that he was publishing the paper in Marcia Kamachinsky's book and I think there is quite a logical narrative between what Jeffrey Ventrella was doing and Jenova Chen's work I think it's Pretty easy to establish in terms of the connections. Interestingly enough, Tilk Fomansky now works for Genova Chen's company. I think it's called That Games Company or something like that. So there are all these kind of interlocking communication links, and I'm pretty sure that Jenova Chen had viewed Jeffrey Ventrella's work. So it struck me as very strange that in Jenova Chen's USC project, his uh, thesis, which flow was the 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 product of the thesis, that there was no reference to Jeffrey Ventrella's work. Now, there's a long narrative here, which I am uh, part of, uh, other people, Dave Kerr of AI Planet is a part of, where, um, sometimes very explicitly and sometimes quite implicitly, aspects of one's artificial life development is used in game development or in some part of a popular scientific narrative without any degree of attribution. My own thinking as a developer of artificial life and also in a somewhat unique position now with regards to my representations of biota.org is that um, this is something that is quite abhorrent and something that the artificial life community needs to work against. There are two quite distinct models operating here. First there is contemporary game development which in one regard is very much the Hollywood model of constantly recycling ideas uh, without any degree of reference. Uh, every film you see is in fact an interreferencing set of previous films that in fact interreferences said previous films. Hence, you know, film studies students can base, you know, substantial treaties on the interlocking of ideas. The Hollywood model as it applies to game development is associated with producing single titles in a relatively rapid succession. In stark contrast in some regard to version software, which is what most of artificial life is. Most of artificial like a sequentially version software where there are updates and additions that go on for years if not tens of years of updates and this is in stark contrast to contemporary game development which follows the Hollywood model of literally your your title your game title is like a motion picture and the people associated that are working on it will go on and work on other projects and this kind of accumulation and and movement of ideas means that there is no need for explicit reference you're lucky if you hear in an interview with a game developer they make reference of some of the games previous that they used as inspiration but this is just the nature of game development and in stark contrast to that you have the kind of academic narrative which is very much based on reference and has to be it's very heavily against plagiarism and it's designed fundamentally to actually show interlocking uh, intellectual reference explicitly although obviously what the film student is doing is studying the implicit interlocking references that the the Hollywood model brings so somewhere through this artificial life comes and the interesting thing with the Genova Chen case is that because his work primarily was a thesis. It was primarily in the academic strain, irrespective of whether it was a game development thesis or not. It was something that needed to operate within the ideas of academic standards and rigor. And certainly, because it was something that was similar to artificial life, if not artificial life explicitly, one would imagine that USC would have gone back and actually done some kind of interreferential check about the standards in artificial life and things that looked similar, just so they could say, "Look, wait, maybe you should look at Jeffrey Ventrella's work explicitly and cite it." So this was the kind of start contrast to me and it caught me that the parallels between what goes on in game development and what went on here academically and the interlinking of artificial life made this a pertinent issue. So what went on was a great degree of debate through the Biota Conversations mailing list about this, some external communication with some game industry journalist friends of mine who I have through the best damn podcast ever and also kind of into reflection on what my own position should be and somewhat independently of being the board member of the contact consortium for biota.org i also am the co-chair of the intellectual property rights special interest group the international game developers association which puts me in a completely different camp and independently i'm also creator of the noble ape simulation of which the intellectual property has been used explicitly and implicitly by a wide variety of companies organizations and individuals, sometimes with attribution, sometimes without. So all these things kind of played together. In terms of my own personal response to this, what my biota.org response should be, whether I should consider the intellectual property rights, the special interest group, all these different components came together. Plus, I wanted to hear from Jeffrey Ventrella. Now, Jeffrey Ventrella is an interesting position because he works for Linden Labs currently. And if you've listened to the previous podcast, Jeffrey Ventrella's name may have came up with regards to his Linden Labs connection, because Linden Labs has recently launched their client open source and made some fledgling kind of creeping efforts to make communication and contact with the Artificial Life community, which has since been pulled back because basically they're, you know, just dealing with a wide variety of situations that are coming to them, probably including releasing their client open source and having to deal with all that. I've made a number of efforts to try and communicate with Linda Labs on a number of these issues, the open source component, Artificial Life community contribution, all these kind of things through Jeffrey Ventrella and others, and not really gotten any response. However, late last week, I did get a response back from Jeffrey Ventrella with regards to this all flow conundrum and his view was simply that it was all okay that, and this is, again, an interpolation of what was discussed in the Biota Conversations mailing list, but basically, as he works for Linden Labs, and as Linden Labs is part of game development, and this is what Jeffrey said, this is the interpolation through the Conversations mailing list, but basically the money comes from a big pool of intellectual property, and as he's receiving that money through Linden Labs, he's not fussed. He seems to not be fussed about on a personal level either, but the interpolation that came through the mailing list seemed to make a lot of sense to me personally, that there is, in fact, quite a, a generous distinction between what one does as an independent developer and what one may do as part of some kind of corporate infrastructure that is ultimately uh, you know, part of the game development space, which my own development in Noble Ape has got nothing to do with and people like Dave Kerr's AI Planet, nothing to do with. I'm assuming people like John Klein, I know John listens to this podcast if he can make any sense of what I'm saying I don't know how John would feel if uh, you know, a game development engine came out that had elements of Brevet in it, either explicitly or implicitly. All these kind of questions are out there, so there seem to be a kind of van of people that are currently working game development and thus are comfortable with the game development ethos of, of lack of attribution and people who aren't working game development and i feel particularly for for dave kerr in this regard because i think if there is a poster child for people who are being completely screwed around with their brilliance not being actively referenced and financially rewarded it is Dave Kerr and I think whilst most of us who develop an artificial life at one time or another have been frustrated with the lack of financial rewards that that have been received through artificial life development particularly with regards to use of work without attribution or in my own personal case use of work with attribution but with no financial rewards coming back that all these things kind of accumulate so I, I have been in a kind of quandary with regards to all these ideas which is one of the reasons that I wanted to put it out in a podcast for. Another piece of feedback that I've received over recent weeks has come from Ricardo Mendez. And Ricardo Mendez has listened... I, I think of the uh, Ape Reality podcast as a kind of repository now. And the beauty of what Ricardo Mendes has done is that he listens to the podcast and reflects on them. So he'll listen to a podcast and then reflect on it for a few days, maybe even a week, maybe write me an email. Then he'll listen to the next podcast, reflect on it, write me an email, or maybe listen to the following podcast. And so his consumption of Ape Reality has been at a, a pace... my actual production of ape reality particularly towards the end a number of points come through my communication with him but the the main ones seem to relate to the ideas of of commercial models of of artificial life development versus open source models which was covered recently in a biota conversations podcast my own reflection on this is that uh, in some regard open source is like a virus but there needs to be some kind of calm medium where one can take the aspects of the viral nature of open source the components that are completely against uh, attribution and receiving money and creating a self-fulfilling enterprise and all these kind of things, and work in a positive direction towards something that is, is more beneficial. However, that model just doesn't exist currently. I'm looking forward to communicating with Steve Grand and getting more of his insight onto this, because I think no one individually has the whole... Part of this wisdom, but I think as a group we can probably come to some realisation with regards to how to move this whole thing forward. I think, certainly from recent narrative, contemporary game development isn't going to be that avenue, but there needs to be some way of interfacing with contemporary game development which isn't completely about being pillaged, and I think this is something that is going to be an interesting topic of discussion in the future. Another piece of feedback that Ricardo Mendes gave which I think is golden, and I want to put this out for John Klein in particular, is that he's been using Brevet to teach his girlfriend aspects of artificial life and I think and this has come through my sickness as well I've been kind of sitting in bed reading through various magazines and the thing that strikes me is that there is nothing out there that is like a universal artificial life toolkit. We need to go back to kind of a chemistry experiment set, kind of metaphor and create a set of very basic tools that can interact in some regard to give people artificial life uh, examples and uh, lab experiments, for want of a better term, in a very simple and easy to use way. Brevet, I think, is the closest to what we have currently, but it just requires this additional kind of toolkit component. I've been looking back as well at EcoSim, which was the ecological simulation I wrote for some year nine high school students in 1998, because that had a very simple interface as well, and in terms of constructing population densities and things like that, so looking at predator-prey relationships, and the increased complexity means increased stability, which is a principle that is really quite difficult to grasp unless you see it in a simulated context, but this idea that the more species, the more predator-preys, more interfeeding, all these kind of things, the more st- stable the system is going to be and this is something that i talked about briefly with John P. Daigle who I understand is now a father congratulations to John P. Daigle who does listen to these podcasts occasionally but this is the contribution I made back when I interviewed him for the audio interview and biota.org interviews was that the more uh, species in a system the easier it is to actually create a stable system so through talking with ricardo mendez and my own thinking and fever and things like that i think there really is a need for a kind of open source artificial life chemistry set of which i think brevet is a central part there needs to be another component to it as well and then it is part of evangelizing it to schools High schools in particular, which has been another topic of discussion through the Biota Conversations mailing list. I think getting artificial life into high schools in the U.S. is almost impossible currently. It requires use of textbooks, basically. There is no way to covertly get anything into the public school system in the U.S. currently. I think the private school system in the U.S. may be marginally, but they are also... Uh, heavily muddled with intelligent design and various other things uh, that make artificial life almost impossible to get into schools. So I think probably the best case is to try the UK or Europe, possibly Australia, possibly Canada, as a means of getting in you know, artificial life into syllabus, maybe slightly covertly initially, or alternatively, just go for the textbook market, which is uh, something that I think is probably doable in the medium term. It needs to be somewhat organised, but I think it is probably doable with the right kind of software and right kind of examples. In any case, my voice is me, I've covered, I think, two out of three of the topics I wanted to talk about, but I just wanted to get a podcast out. It was the option of either releasing a version of the simulation or doing a podcast, and I thought a podcast would be a better use of my time. Tom at NobleApe.com is the address you can contact me through. I am assembling a wide variety of noble ape related care packages to try and get publicity out of the various themes that come through in this podcast to a wide variety of people following the failings of the pen radio situation. My thought is scattershot as opposed to focus from now on. And I I think also a wide variety of folks have Noble 8 t-shirts currently, and I get very positive responses back from them. I get very positive responses back from the podcast. If you listen to this podcast in the future, feel free to email me. I will be keeping that email address open. For a number of years, even though it's heavily spammed, I'm going to probably change my personal email address to another one and just keep this one open for podcast and other related topics. This should be a release of the Noble 8 Simulation 684 in the very near future. I've compiled it both for Mac and Windows. Happy with both of them. I think I'll probably do it at the weekend the for the weekend, as my wife and her sister are going to Disneyland, which means that I will have a lot of free time and hopefully not be sick. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. I will try to do them more frequently, I'll try to make sure my voice is in better state. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.